Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. You are listening to the 3CR Spoken Word Program, and I am George O'Hara. Today, we have a live recording from the Brunswick Hotel's poetry night, Passionate Tongues, with feature poet Steve Smart. Over the past 16 to 17 years, Steve has been performing all over the world. He's run workshops, gigs, festivals, RIP, Overload Poetry Festival, and been sporadically published. He has released six poetry CDs, various self-published chapbooks, and has a massive web presence. His hair is no longer categorised as brown. It is now officially salt and pepper. As a poet, Steve has been described as Melbourne's rock star of performance poetry by Perth Poetry Club. Wildly funny to deeply moving, Simon Leo Brown, abc.net.au, and a raw, seething, hardcore poet who makes the rest of us look spineless, Amanda Anastasi from melbournespokenword.com. He lives in Footscray and is currently president of the Melbourne Poets Union. So, let's have a listen to Steve. Some of these have backing tracks, uh, but not this one. I'm going to do this one for Lauren, because she hasn't heard it a lot. It's called Catch Fire. Catch a bus, catch a glimpse, catch yourself, catch fire. Catch yourself in a moment, because there's always a catch. Is it catch 22 or just you? Light a match. Add your fuel, catch fire, and if it makes no sense, be ready to catch a glimpse in a moment of what is evident, burning your eyes, a moment of surprise before the light dies. It wasn't all lies. It can't have been with all you've seen. You caught a glimpse, and so you know that this is the catch. Light a match, add yourself, catch fire. called your paranoia. Your paranoia is not necessarily misguided. Someone may indeed be wishing you ill, can't take the heat, don't discount the possibility that person may have set you on fire while you weren't paying attention. You may have been occupied with something that seemed very important at the time. It doesn't seem as important now, does it? Not saying you should live in constant fear, but someone trained that right while it lives outside. They trained it using cunning and brutality. They trained it to want to eat you. Yes, you specifically listen to that growl. From this, we surmise that the owner of the dog themselves wants to eat you and not in a friendly come down the pub for a few bodies and back to your place for some crazy sex and we'll leave the dog outside kind of way. No. <laughs> They want to skin you, gut you, and eat you raw. But society makes them feel perverted 
abhorrent, psychopathic, and so they are, and so you should live in fear of people, plants, animals, various inanimate objects. I wouldn't leave the house with all the things baying for your blood. You must seem like a tasty morsel. Maybe you're just really fucking irritating. <laughs> Don't say it never occurred to you. I did this, um, somebody actually won me in an auction, uh, <laughs> but a decade ago, and um, we were raising funds for a festival that I was running at the time. Uh, Joey Koshenko, I think, gave himself away. I don't know what he had to do. Um, but I, I had said that I would write seven poems uh, to the highest bidder on a subject of, the, of your choice. And so my friend Jen, Jewel Brown uh, came out. I was in the bar while the auction was on. <laughs> she came out and she went, I gotcha. I went, all right, what do you want? And she went, you know what I want. And I went, I think you'll find that I don't. Although I could probably have guessed. Um, and she went, I want seven poems about sex. And I went, I don't do that. And she went, I just paid for it. You can do it. Uh, and uh, <laughs> the first poem, I'm not going to do the first one that came out, but the first one that came out was called uh, The Corpse of Bill Hicks. <laughs> and, um, and I finished writing it, and I looked at it, and I went, if that's what I think about sex, that's really depressing. Um, and so I wrote some other poems. Um, this is called Less the Predator. I am less predatorial than you might think. I, I have been... Pray. I used to pray to be preyed upon. I was too shy. I am shy still. I've had more sex than some, much less than many, somewhat less than I could have had if I had tried harder. <laughs> I know the palm of my hand, like the back of my hand from all those nights, I waited and hoped alone to speak. <laughs> Thought conversation would be important. And then had to learn how not to speak when I became the guy you had intense conversations with before you went and fucked someone who was more fun. <laughs> I am so much in my own head, but I am not the awkward child I was. I've been around, oh baby, I've been around. I could draw your map, I could draw your bath. I could tell you stories, we could go dancing, drink till dawn, get the giggles like children. I don't want to be intense like I can be. I want to be the guy who is more fun show you my map show me yours okay um this is uh the reason that i'm here um michael's been very kind enough to book me uh, a number of times for passionate tongues but this time he had to because i won him um <laughs> Uh, when we did the Melbourne Spoken Word competition last year, uh, the end of 2015, which I won. Uh, and, uh, uh, yeah, I was fucking surprised. Um, and so the poem that I did uh, for that, I actually just ripped the audio straight off the YouTube thing and it only took like five minutes. It's awesome. Um, so this is, uh, there's a live version of this. Uh, from that night on the album. It's called, it's a very long title. It's called, And This Is How We Change, But Not So Much. 
and in brackets, or how I became Yoda without noticing. <laughs> Age brings with it its own perks. Hope that I am less of a jerk than I once was. Never meant to be, but there was a feeling abandoning morals was the poet's choice. Spent years developing my own voice, not aping Eric Beach or William Blake, wishing to be a beast of my own make. Each year a blessing to have not given the whole game away. Poets we grow with age, count refractions flashing off those hundreds of pages, revel in our engagement with structure, new challenge, leaping over ghosts through walls, burying but not denying some of our poems are genuinely appalling. And after all, it's all about the right notebook, right? The perfect writing desk spot, the delight, say, of racing pen inside rushing train, one eye on the page, the other out the f***ing window. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. The braying urgency of youth, not to be disparaged or forgotten, I'm just not a kid anymore. Now I live in a library many years in the collecting. Books of the dead alongside books not yet written, and hostile drinkies under the coffee table. Grab the bait if you think that you can take me. Each generation swaggers at the next. Be bold, be great, but you can't be better than we were. The nose gets thumbed both ways, and this is as should be. Challenges, conscious evolution is never that. We metamorphosize by making new mistakes. Also, now that I am older, I no longer feel the need to fix the world right fucking now. Here frowning, I see you, young Jedi. Asking what the hell is wrong with that? Have confidence, but leave naivety behind. The true believers stick to their pens when the world doesn't stop burning for them. I have learned that each small moment is a victory. Each new idea exchanged... Each life touched, changed, given succour. Never discount that one audience member who may never be quite the same. Blame my cockeyed, optimistic, sunny outlook. I no longer long so for that hefty book tome with my name on its forbidding spine. Sure, it'd be nice. <laughs> but my advice is this. Remember, poetry is a craft and a lifetime commitment. And when you've spent that life being the very best that you could be, I will ask you again if you still need the prizes or whether the work has been its own reward. Oh, no, knock back the cash, though. <laughs> you can smash that idea clear out of your head. Still need the bread, the bathroom needs new... The bedroom needs new shelves. Unexpected litter of kittens won't feed themselves. <laughs> I embrace the notion of this is a job, and so the nature of accolade changes. Satisfaction at being good for poetry, not simply having poetry be good for me. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, uh, this one doesn't have any backing music anywhere. Oh, it probably did, but fuck it. Um, <laughs> The second set, I swear to God, I know how to work it now. Uh, it's called Lighting Damp Matches. It's a bit long, but it's fun, I think. Uh, and then I think George is going to get up and have a little jam with me. Lit a match under the world to see if anyone was still prepared to burn or whether we'd all just given up. Killed off all the great leaders, 
been led back into the swamp we crawled out of all those years ago before television, before iPods, before you'd film someone getting beaten in the street, before you'd ever stop to help them, before the clouds started dropping acid. It's so easy to be negative, to not want to feel the pain around you, shut up in a hole pretending there's nothing left to do but wait for the final fall. It's so easy to let it all go, but is that really what you want? Write your poems in the dark, write your last will just in case. Hide from your neighbours, switch off your phone, it's just you and 8,000 pictures of minor celebrities. Is that what it's come to? Don't you ever want to scream? Raise the volume just for the sake of lowering the tone. Don't you ever want to tap someone on the shoulder, ask them what the hell is going on? Catch a bus to somewhere you know no one, just to be erratic, to cause a stir, if only in your own mind, because you are tired of being stuck in the smallest part of such a large world. This is not prison. Turn it off. Walk outside. Smile at a stranger to see if you get a response. It's not that hard. Nine out of ten times you will some days, it's so damn hard. The panic rises in your stomach, up to your throat, your head spins, wanna rush right back inside, too much, too much, too much. The devil went down to Georgia, found out they thought he was already there. They blamed him for the mess, there always has to be someone to blame, doesn't there? Don't you ever wanna scream? Run naked through the streets to see if anyone notices? Make moose noises in place of words. <laughs> Start your own talk show with no guests. The Tonight Show featuring an hour of total silence. No bad jokes, no laugh tracks. You can watch TV in your car now. Do you think that's healthy? Why don't you watch the fucking road before you kill someone? Put the phone down, someone's talking to you. Look up, something is falling from the sky. You're missing the show. Are you walking the wire or did the metaphor just become a bit convoluted? Let it out. Don't hold back. What's the worst that can happen? Everyone's too busy being afraid of everything to notice if you scream. We used to pretend to knock each other down in the street, raining fake blows and kicks to see if anyone would stop to help the man that was fallen. No one ever did. Some days you can be luckier than others. Most days you have to make your own fortune. There are creatures in the forest you'd be better to avoid, but it's the quickest path. What do you do? If you lived in the forest, wouldn't you eat you? Have some empathy for another creature. Put the gun down. There's been enough blood spilt. Don't you think there's been enough blood spilt? If your rifle backfires, they'll call it friendly fire. Oh, it's way past half past more than enough now, isn't it? So what do we do? When all the screaming has left us hoarse, and all the wire we walked is being used to garrot us. All that's left is to smile. Laugh out loud as you spit in the eye of your oppressor or someone else's if you're feeling generous. <laughs> this is the last call. The bar is shutting. It's cold outside. Find someone to get warm with. This is the huddling season. Love may not be all you need, but love and country songs are a pretty good pair for a lonely night. You, me, Willie Nelson, your daddy's shotgun, and a box of matches. If you don't like Willie Nelson, I have Lyle Lovett, Johnny Cash, Patsy Cline. Mork and Mindy save Christmas. Is that a porcupine in your pocket, or were you just planning to stab me? 
the apocalypse is coming to town and you're not wearing the nice underwear. <laughs> you never dress up for me anymore. <laughs> We're getting closer to that swamp, don't you think? Our leaders have abandoned us. We're walking along a path that has many holes and low-lying branches and it's dark. The river waters are rushing one slip and you'll fall in. Won't you take me with you? I'm tired of this shit. But what do you mean I'm exaggerating? You really don't like Willie Nelson. Say, my matches are damp. I couldn't light a phone book. You'd scarcely describe this as poetry. The masterpiece I promised does not materialize. Now you're wondering if it's all been a waste of time. The things you say in my mind make me want to scream. I'm afraid I'm too afraid. My voice catches in my throat. I like that cigarette because I'm addicted to cliches. Use the last match. Inhale. Begin to write. Okay, we have one more poem for this set. I would like to welcome George O'Hara up to the stage. My, my co-producer uh, on the All the Blame album, uh, which is what my best of is now called. Um, you can call him George F-O-H if you want to. He would like that. It has a lot of different meanings. It's very cool. We'll, uh, we'll explain it on the break. Uh, this is called Zoe Ode. Now, do you start or do I start or do we just start on the... Ah, oh, that's right. Uh, this is written uh, for Zoe Deschanel. Zoe with two O's. Fucking hamsters. Um, <laughs> nah, she's all right. I don't know her, but she seems cool. I like her when she's mean. Doesn't happen often. Uh, Zoe, uh, I don't believe in fate. If there are cosmic forces, what the hell's with the divorce rate? And why am I not in New York with Zoe Deschanel? Why are we not discussing whether to share a loft apartment? Brooklyn, Lower East Side, buy or rent for Zoe Deschanel? I'd live in a tent in Southeast South Australia. <laughs> As it is, I'm calling fate a failure. I'd watch her sing and play guitar while writing films for her to star. She'd read the scripts and she would cry. An old actress would die and we would mourn her. Our favorite coffee shop would be always just around the corner. We'd stay in bed, watch The Late Show, giggling about the last time she was on and how Dave had such a big crush. We'd sometimes fight but never rush. People would always wait for us. And the sex would be private, none of your business. Do you think I do you think I have no class, no tabloid stories would be told still we'd be ever so bold and one day when we were very, very, very old, we'd tell our grandkids, don't you know? We were famous a long, long time ago when the internet was young and so were we. Except she wouldn't sound like that. Because she's American. I'm not an ingrate, don't mean to moan, but if I have to wait for fate, I might die sad and all alone in unfresh hell with dreams of Zoe Deschanel. So I'll pack up all my scripts, book myself a one-way trip. My will is strong and will not bend. I won't come back until this poem finds a happy end.
You have been listening to a live recording from Passionate Tongues with the feature poet Steve Smart. A few words about the poetry scene in Melbourne. The Dan O'Connell Hotel has poetry every Saturday from 2pm. Passionate Tongues every second Monday at the Brunswick Hotel starting at 7.30. Westward every second Sunday starting at 2pm. And the Owl and Cat readings on the first Sunday of every month from 5 to 8pm. Check out melbournespokenword.com for more info on the scene. And now, the second half of Steve Smart. One of the last gigs I did here was... Uh, I think actually the last gig I did here was a show with Amanda Anastasia and Sarah Kuro called Loop City. Um... And so, this poem is called City Loop. Clever, right? (laughs) Yeah. Through the descending entrails to get to the bowel to be shit out into a barely sunlit city. This train stopping all stations via the City Loop, except Flagstaff. The escalator a steep crawl down a fluorescent tube. Perception of depth horrifies me to constriction. If I run, I could fall. If I hold too tight, I could faint and fall. Still, I grip the handrail apoplectically. Eight minutes till the next train. Suffocated by overhead city. Too long to stand here. Not enough time to leave and come back. Pace, pace, hover, pace, hover, pace, hover, pace, hover, pace. Light of oncoming train. Gradual now. Faster as it slows. Forcing air through tunnel in a gale-forced rush. Relief from the stillness. Board the train. And enter the thundering anal tract. (laughs) This is from a show that I did with Carmen Main a long time ago called This Sickness. Uh, which we're in the process of reviving. It's a disgusting little slice of filth. (laughs) This sickness which allows me to write beyond revulsion, to take your nightmares, twist them to my own ends, return them ever more diabolical than ever they were, the devil without disguise. I find the same sickness in you, like staring in a mirror. The need in you for bad heavy metal, the most gruesome horror films, reality television and boy bands, the six o'clock news. All that is worst in humanity is all your secret desire. I see your need, your cruelty. Watch as you try to f*** each other to death. I simply relay what you know but deny that you are twisted beyond redemption and I am merely the maggot I am merely the maggot in your breakfast cereal it's you who left the lid off so I could crawl inside 
Uh, the entire of my this sickness poems are available on Voices in My Head from my Bandcamp page. Huh, funny then. I say falling in love with you was not part of the plan, which gives a convenient sense that there was a plan. There wasn't. Still, I say it, hoping somehow that it will make you feel special. Like I had this great plan worked out, and then my whole life changed when I met you, of course. Which, of course, it did. Then it changed back. I am changeable. Sort of. I imagine change often, all the time, but never actually change. I make hopeful attempts. My life is stupid and unhealthy with no real patterns except ones that are unhealthy and stupid. I don't want you to know that my life is like that so I let you think certain things. Like that I have some great plan that you've now altered. For the better, of course. It's not conscious of not being purposely misleading. It's more that I'm optimistic and if I lie unconsciously it's because I like you and I don't want you to leave. Which you will when you realize that my life is always like this and I don't really change even when I want to. So tomorrow I will change because I love you, but you have to help me, which you will eventually by leaving and thereby reminding me why I meant to change in the first place. I should thank you in advance since you won't be around to think the next time I mean to change, but don't. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for today, but if you'd like to hear more of Steve Smart, go to stevesmart.bandcamp.com and you can download his Best of Blame Smarty CD as well as a bunch of other poetry things that Steve has done. Well, that's goodbye from me. So until next time, this is George O'Hara for 3CR's Spoken Word. Mm -hmm.